from the Wild Ride Minute, among other podcasts, but as it's germane to our discussion today, we'll stick with that one. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and we're here to talk about Minute 22 of the Bowfinger Minute. So, uh, first of all, thank you, Alan, for, for, for joining me today. It is a pleasure to be back here on a Tuesday as we start breaking down even more of how how is Mr. Bobby Bowfinger going to dig himself out of the hole he dug himself into yesterday? That's right. And today begins with where we just continue with what we had from yesterday. You and I were discussing, you know, how what what type of look Bowfinger has on his face here. And this minute starts with a great one. You have him with his both of his arms up in the air and a scared look on his face. It looks like he's in like a 1950s horror movie and running away, you know, from some sort of creature or something like that. And you see, you know, the, the, the three other people in his crew in the background, just jumping for joy and, and being mm -hmm. very happy. So I, I love the contrast there between them. You know, he looks scared out of his wits and they are just ecstatic about the fact that, as we mentioned yesterday, they actually got Kit Ramsey to be in the movie, or at least they believe that that's what happened. You could almost, he doesn't say anything, but the expression and the, and the pumping of his arms almost would be changing from yay yay to oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god yeah seriously <laughs> what, what have i done <laughs> exactly if he was if he was part of mindhead he would be saying keep it together keep it together keep it together keep it together, you know? keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm kind of sad we didn't we didn't mention like all of the uh, elements that are in the movie because obviously other people are gonna be covering it but since you brought up mindhead and that's the name of the listeners group on facebook I love the 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 not so subtle hit at Scientology. Yes, <laughs> completely. They 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 definitely do a great job of that. I mean, again, as as you and I discussed yesterday, as I'm sure people have been talking about for the last twenty episodes before us, you know, th this is a parody of Hollywood. This is a parody of things that that go on there. So to have a famous movie star who who is part of this, I guess you can say religious group. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I don't want to use the word cult because. <laughs> we don't want to upset some of our friends who may no. be practicing members, but exactly. it is a modern. Exactly. Of, of mindhead, you know. <laughs> a, a modern religion. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, there, there are, it's very well known that there are actors in, in Hollywood that, that uh, are part of certain religious sects. That you know aren't aren't necessarily considered mainstream, I guess you can say. And mm -hmm. uh, you have to, yeah. It it takes a lot to swallow. 
to, to try and understand what it is that's going on there. But okay, that that's fine. You know, to each his own. Everyone can do what they want. But but the fact that they're parodying it already says something. You know, that they're, they're not afraid to parody it. Parody it. Has that? Has that? Yeah, I think it goes to show. But we have to remember this movie in 1999. The the current I would call it, it's it's the label that's used the woke ism of today of the 2020s didn't quite exist to the level that it did in 1999. No. So, no. And if this know, was made in the 70s, who, who knows what they would have done? <laughs> exactly. I feel like Steve Martin walked that fine line. For me, I don't find – well, that's the thing. I don't find many things super offensive. You can, you can tell when something's meant to be kind of a gentle elbow in the ribs mm-hmm. versus somebody who's trying to crush or, or harm or uh, defame you. This is not in any way, I think, handling any of that in a way to to cause – there's nothing, I think, intentionally offensive. I think it's more right. about – more of like a gentle ribbing. Yes, I, I, I agree with you on that. And and I love the fact – I mean he's not in any of our minutes, but I love the fact that they use Terrence Stamp you know, as the mm-hmm. head of, of this, this organization. You know, I think that's just great. So this minute basically takes over from, yesterday, from yesterday's minute. So we have just a few seconds of the – the cheering and the uh you know and scare and and the horror basically on Bowfinger's face and then it, it switches and you know we we see him once again in his apartment or house whatever you want to call it, it is house i guess so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's it, i mean well, later on in the movie we'll see the outside of the house which is just even crazier I mean, but it's a home he's he's converted into the headquarters of the Bowfinger yeah. International Movie Studio yeah yeah, and and so then the next shot shows him, you know, standing on something. Maybe we're not even sure what he's standing. I don't know if it's like a stepladder or a chair or something like that. But he's got a hammer in his hand and he's uh, trying to pry open something from, uh, I guess, the the attic or mm-hmm. you know something that'll be up, uh, you know, within the rafters or something like that. Now, what I found really interesting about watching him do this is you see on the side of of the the hatch. You know that that things are chipped away there. You know, as if maybe someone, you know, maybe it's trying to show that how dilapidated this area, this this place is, or you know that someone tried breaking into there at some point or something like that. I, I don't From really know. Looking at it based on the and knowing what I know about home repair and and things like that, that is your typical water damage. Something from above has eventually started to rot away and eat through the plaster and the wood. It, it, it's it, the dilapidated. That's the perfect word. It shows you that he doesn't have the money to even repair things in his home, that they just kind of have to deal with obvious damage, regardless of what may you know get worse because they're not fixing it. He doesn't even have the money to fix the roof, the ceiling. Do you think it's because he doesn't have the money to do it or he just doesn't care? No, I think he doesn't have the money. I, I think I think this is the kind of guy who's trying to figure out how to beg, borrow, or steal any dollar he can to make movies. I think w- what we're going to find out about him is he's loved movies his entire life yes. and has always just thought, I will do anything I can, every- and obviously everything he can to make yeah. a movie. Mm-hmm. And so I think in his mind, why would I waste money that I could you know, have an extra day of shooting on repairing the ceiling? Okay, that, that's fair. That's, that's how I look at it. Based okay. on, I don't see I, – I want to say I like Steve Martin in just about every movie I see him in. I like the, that he usually plays kind of a good guy or somebody who you understand why he might be lying. You sort of sympathize. 
This is the closest he comes to a character that I go, you're kind of still lying to everybody. And I don't know that that's redeeming. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think they put just enough in it to make you go, I get why he's doing it, but it's also for me as a, as a longtime fan of Steve Martin period and certain Steve Martin movies, this is the character that's hardest to like all the time. Right. For right. me. Right. Cause he, he toes the line between, you know, being entertaining to watch and you're just saying to yourself, Oh my God, I can't believe this is what he's doing. You know, you don't, you don't know if you, if you should be cheering what he's doing or not, you know, because of the, the apparent, I guess, uh, ethical issues that are involved here. Mm-hmm. Slight, slight ethical right. uh, views. Who knows? And he's, he's having a whole conversation with uh, his friend, Dave, who's played by uh, Jamie Kennedy, who most people will probably recognize him from Scream, from the Scream movies. Dave is the only guy that he, and and we're getting it here throughout the scene, he's the only one who knows just what kind of BS is going on behind this particular film project. I was at least at this point. Right. That's true. But I mean, I think what, what, one of the things I love about Dave and we saw him, you know, over the last few weeks, he had a few little uh, missions that he, or tasks that he was given, you know, he's, Bowfinger's inside man. He works in a movie studio and he's the one who's able to borrow things from, from the movie studio. You know, he's able to borrow cameras, he's able to borrow trucks. He's able to, you know, he borrows cars so that, that Bowfinger can, can, uh, you know, can borrow a car and drive to, you know, drive to a restaurant and make himself seem as if he's got more money than he really does. You know, so he he's definitely an accomplice here. Mm-hmm. You know, with everything he knows, he knows who Bowfinger is. He knows what what how he ticks, and he knows what's going on here. So you know, it it makes sense that this is the guy he's confiding in. You know, and as the the minute goes on, so you know, Bobby takes out a little uh, chest, like a small little box chest from yeah, like from box. the attic, a lockbox. Yeah, exactly. And and then he tries explaining to his friend Dave, you know, what the whole story is. You know, he talks about the fact that he's planning on making this movie around Kit Ramsey, even though he is not willing to be a part of it. You know, they're, they're going to secretly film him, you know, mm-hmm. and say that the actors will walk up to him and they'll say their lines, you know. And, you know, and the best thing about this is that, you know, we have him in our movie and we don't have to pay him. <laughs> And and then Dave actually asks a really good question because he says, "Well, what will he say?" And he goes, "Who cares? It's an action movie. All he has to do is run. He runs from the aliens. He runs to the aliens." <laughs> and then that was another. As you're watching, and another, I think, little dig at Hollywood action movies of the day. Now, granted, this is 1999. Digital effects are being used more and more, and in fact, and, and we'll leave it to other people's minutes. But I mean, even adding cars or vehicles and things can be either added or erased. But the action movie always gets sort of like there's not many lines in an action movie. It's just running and explosions and chases and bullets right. flying. And I, and I think that's just another one of those nods to we, we know action movies don't have a whole lot of dialogue anyway. Who, what, what does it matter what he says? Right. And, and it's very funny because, I mean, Steve Martin wrote this movie. So right. Steve Martin, I don't think I, I, I'm trying to, to rack my brain. And I can't think of any action movie that he's been in. So, 
you know, I think it's from his perspective, he's basically saying, you know, that's what action movies are. I do, I do drama. I do comedy. I do comedy drama, you know, um, I, I comedy horror, I guess you can say, because he did do Little Shop of Horrors. But, you know, it, it, that, Steve Martin is the comedian. You know, you're not going to find him in in many roles that are not in some ways comedic. You know, even in mm-hmm. his dramas, his characters have, you know, a lot of good one-liners and stuff like that. Even something like, like Parenthood or even Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, you know, which, I mean, these are both can be classified as comedies. But there, there is dramatic motion in those movies, you know. But he still, you know, works as somewhat of a straight man. But he still has some funny lines along the way, and stuff like that. As Bobby is trying to explain to Dave what's going on, so he he, you know, walks into the other room, and the first thing you notice when you walk into this this second room, which uh, is uh, maybe it's another office of his, or maybe maybe they've moved back into. You know the kitchen office area. You know it's hard. To, it's hard to really map out this this whole uh, house that he's in. I mean, we we find out later that his bed is one of those beds that are, uh, you know, behind door behind a door. You know, uh, in the wall. That's the thing. There's like there's no room. He doesn't really have a bedroom. You know, it's it's one of those multi-purpose rooms, I guess you could say. So mm-hmm. you can actually see that there's a movie poster on the side of the uh, in the room. Did you see what movie it was the poster for? Yeah, it gave me. It's Touch of Evil. It has. That's right. Um, it's got Charlton Heston in it. It's directed by. Uh, it's escaping me. It's. Uh, this is compelling. This is this is some good re- listening right here. Uh, oh my God, Citizen Kane. Uh, what's his name? Um, the director. Yeah. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> It was there. <laughs> yes, I'm, I, I can see it. I saw it. I saw it in in your eyes. I saw you knew the answer there, so that's fine. So yes, it's it's a it's a movie from 1958. That it's a film noir movie starring Charlton Heston, Janet Leigh, uh, and Marlene Dietrich. It's based on a uh, novel called uh, Badge of Evil that uh, that came out two years prior. You know, it was it was one of those those movies that at the time, you know, people people were upset at, at Orson Welles already at that point, so it didn't really do very well in the theater, and it only f- started getting a lot more notice when it started going around the world. You know, in America it didn't do very well, but when it got to to Europe, it started getting some awards, and in the the seventies, it became very popular, and a lot of people claim that this is actually one of Welles's uh, best pictures. That he ever made. Um, personally, I liked it. I didn't think it was that great. Have you ever seen it? I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, wanted I'm, to. Right. I'm. I'm still a bigger fan of uh, Citizen Kane, and and you know he he has a few other movies that 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 I've enjoyed. But uh, this this one is good, but it's not. Uh, you know, it's not not among my favorite of his. And then <laughs> the whole reason that Bobby went into this room was to be able to show a chart that he has made up because he tells <laughs> his friend Dave that it's not a problem because, you know, the kid is only in six scenes. <laughs> so they don't really have to worry about it. And then he, they actually show us the poster in the last few seconds of this minute of all the scenes. So did, did you actually read what was written on all of those uh, scenes? Yeah, um, I, and I love because 
thankfully by calling it out. Well, we can't read all of them because his his shoulder is blocking the bottom three or four of them. Yeah, I, I got but, ten. I was able to, to to read ten of them. Yeah, uh, the first one, which I think is funny, like the opening apparently scene. Kit forgets breakfast or briefcase. Briefcase. Right? <laughs> some, some briefcase that's going to be germane to the story. Um, and then the next time is uh, Kit caught or stalked in. No, no, no. First, no, you have to talk about the ones that aren't without Kit also. So the second oh. one, the second one is CIA alerted. Yeah. Okay. Then the third one is, as you started saying, Kit stalked in parking lot. Now, mm-hmm. what's, what's really funny is this is foreshadowing a lot of the scenes that are coming up in the movie, which I thought is great. You know, because, you know, after watching the movie and then going back and looking at this and seeing that, I was like, oh, wow, they've done all these scenes. You know, it, it, these, this is what they were doing when they were making this movie. You know, number right. number four says pod people take over City Hall. Five is aliens find Cynthia. Six is Kit sees Slater shot, which again, we see later on. Then number seven is Slater drives fancy car to FBI, which I think is really funny the way that they say that. Um, you, you know what the FBI is, right? Do you know what uh, – like well, The Federal Bureau of Investigation? Yeah, I'm pretty familiar. Yeah. I, I hope you're not that familiar. <laughs> well, in, in you know my various hats I wear, one of them being in news talk – we're very up on what the uh, goings on inside and around the FBI have been in this country for the last few years. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Do you know what the FBI's top priorities are? Like, what what what's their mission statement? Like, what what are things that that the FBI is in charge of? Well, as a federal bureau of investigations, they get involved in multi-state crime. They get involved in any time a state brings somebody in from maybe a banking crime, kidnapping. Generally, a a high crime that may cross jurisdictional lines. Okay, so right, that's very true. The FBI is their their mission is to protect the United States from terrorist attacks, protect the United States against foreign intelligence operations, espionage, and cyber operations, combat significant cyber criminal activity, combat public corruption at all levels, protect civil rights, combat trans transnational criminal enterprises which I guess is what you were talking about about things that go over city line, uh, go over state lines, combat major white collar crimes and to combat significant violent crime. So, yeah, I thought that, I thought that was interesting that that's the, uh, you know, that that's what, because when you think of the FBI, you know, you see TV shows, you see movies that they deal with the FBI, but they never specifically state, you know, all the different things that they deal with. Sometimes you'll see, you know, FBI agents just show up and they're taking over a case, you know, and so why, you know, and things like that. So a lot of it depends on the jurisdictions involved. And sometimes, you know, you could have a state that says, well, we're comfortable with, let's say, like in Georgia, you've got the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. But if that entity decides we think that there's more here that we could use the help of the FBI because they've got even more resources being a federal agency versus a state, they will actually call in to maybe even get assistance from the FBI uh, because of the the depth and breadth of their um, the, the the things that they do as a crime organization, as a as a in a law enforcement wing, if you will, underneath the executive branch of the United States. Right. Okay. That that makes sense. Then the 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 next scene that's that's written on the these cards is it says first fight with aliens. That's number eight. Number mm-hmm. nine, 
also in red. It has, you know, it says Kit runs from Carol in restaurants. <laughs> yeah. And then number 10, it says Slater turns in his badge. <laughs> Which, okay. I mean, they never really mentioned the movie that Slater's supposed to be a cop, but it doesn't really matter. You know, I just thought it was really funny. And you can see that there's at least two more, but there's probably even more than that because, you know, you don't have very – for for me, it shocked me for him to say that Kit, who's supposedly the star of the movie, is only in six scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do you, do you know what the average number of scenes in a movie is? Oh, well over – well, hundreds. It, it could be two, three hundred, easy. What do you think the average script, the the, the number of scenes is? I'm, I'm going to say the average script is going to be anywhere from 150 to 200. Okay, so the average script is 110 scenes, and action – it says action scripts have the greatest number of scenes. There's the average of 131.2 scenes, and comedies yeah. usually have about 98.5. Well, comedies also tend to be shorter. Correct, correct. Okay, and then you also have the the idea of, of uh, you know, thinking about it. The, the different things about like scene settings and stuff like that by different genres about which things take place indoors and outdoors and stuff like that. Right. So what, what do, what do you think? What percentage of, uh, of movie scenes take place during the day? Wow. <laughs> you dug, you dug for some demographics. So what you're doing is you're making me have to now, try to guess in my head based on what I feel to see how close I can get. Right. Obviously. But day shoots are going to be better because more people prefer day shoots as tonight, but nights easier for sometimes lower budgets because it's easier to close streets and do things where during the day, it's a lot more intrusive into the average ordinary person's life. If you have to shut down streets. So I'm going to say 60, like almost two thirds, 66% are day. Okay, it's 58.3% are take place during the day, and therefore 417 take place at night. Okay, and now I'm sure you know the answer to this. Which genre usually is more likely to be taking place mostly at night? Horror. That's correct. Yeah. I have a question. Since, since I just, it just popped in my head, and I had to double-check it while we were talking. They call him Slater. Do you remember the big giant action movie that came out in the beginning of the nineties? Of where course, nineteen ninety three, Jack Slater, the Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Jack Slater from Last, last, last Action Hero. Hero. Yeah. I, Do you I, think that's why they called this guy Slater in this movie script? Mm-hmm. Is it kind of another homage to this big budget movie that came out just you know six years earlier? You know what? I I didn't even think about that. That's very interesting. Hmm. That's not a typical name, and because. Right. Schwarzenegger is so big and a giant mega action movie star. And so like his character name was Jack Slater. Cause I oh. remember the cop always would yell his name Slater. That's right. You know, that's right. But it, it could be also, you know, maybe Christian Slater. Oh, I don't know. I mean, he wasn't really in that many action movies, but no, you know. I, to me, I want, I, I have to believe that that's a, it's a small call out to Schwarzenegger's, especially since they talk about Kit Ramsey being the big action star and they're yeah. going to make a big action movie. Well, what was the biggest supposed to be action movie that I think a lot of people didn't get what Last Action Hero was? To me, I didn't like it the first time I watched that movie. And then I rewatched it a couple of times and I was like, I get what they're doing. It's almost like what Bowfinger's doing. They basically were poking fun at the action movie genre. Yes, for sure. 
I, I mean, I personally, I love the last session. Hero. I think it's great. It's, you know, another John McTiernan it. movie. Then, and, and it's a lot of fun. Now that I get, I think I didn't really, cause I was younger when it came out, I was expecting it to be a typical action movie. And then you realize, no, they're sort of poking fun at the tropes of the action movie by doing an action movie. And right. here, I think Steve Martin is, I, I got to believe it's a callback because we're doing kind of the same thing. We're poking fun at Hollywood by making a Hollywood movie. Correct. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. So back to what I was asking before. So we said that horror movies most likely take place at night. And which mm-hmm. genre do you think mostly takes place during the day? Uh, as a genre? Yes. Probably well, I don't know if you mean as generic as, let's say, dramas or something like – or comedies. Probably comedies. Comedies. No, actually, well, according to this, it's historical movies. It probably has oh. a lot to do with the fact that, you know, <laughs> you have to deal with lighting if it's taking place, in, uh, you know, at night and during the day. It was a little easier to do. So then one other thing that I mentioned before was the the idea of scenes taking place indoors or outdoors. Okay, so what percentage of scenes in movies take place indoors? I think probably a greater percentage. Um, we'll use the similar as what we had for day versus night. I'd say right about 60%. And you would be right on the button. It's 60.2% are taking place indoors. And 389 take place uh, outside. And 0.9% are hybrid locations. I don't yeah. really know what they mean by that, but. You know, does it mean that they're moving from inside to out, indoors to outdoors or vice versa, something like that? Who knows? Now, what genre do you think has the most scenes set outside? Action movies. Okay, the answer here is westerns. Oh well, yeah, that would make sense. You know, I'll call out. I'll call, I'll call out to our previous movies by minute uh, group project, Silverado. Silverado you know. minute. There you go. Yeehaw. That's right. So 64.4% of scenes in Westerns are set outdoors, right? And what about, you know, what what type of movie has the most, or what type of genre has the most scenes that are taking place indoors? Mm-hmm. <sighs> like detective or thrillers? Comedies. Like this really? movie? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's right. And the reason I went toward like detective slash thrillers is you're usually in a crime scene. You're going from scene to scene inside. You're usually in a police station. You're inside the main detective's home. They've got the files spread out. I just I always in my head see like the outside stuff is transitions to go back inside somewhere. Right. You're interviewing clients. You're back in a courtroom. But interesting comedy. Exactly. All right. So, and the minute then basically ends as we're 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 looking at this screen uh, or the shot of of the scenes. I mean, again, the fact that they only have, you know, let's say twenty scenes in the movie <laughs> already says something about this movie. Maybe maybe they're doing a short. You know, maybe they're they're not doing well, a full length. Yeah, I think these would be there'd be multiple quote scenes around these kind of. I think he means more like there's only six key moments in the script there'd probably be multiple scenes around these moments but i like what he's doing here and ironically i don't know if you knew this eddie murphy really wanted to do this movie but he was already wedged between two other movies that he was already committed to so i don't know if the reason they used six is because they knew they only had six weeks of eddie murphy to, to shoot everything they had to with him 
before they could shoot everything else. It's very possible. You never know. <laughs> I mean, think about how much Eddie Murphy wanted to do this to work with Steve Martin to know, well, we're going to have to wedge every one of your scenes in in six weeks of shooting, and then we'll go do everything else. Right. Yeah, that, that's uh... – I mean, again, it, it goes to show what type of uh, get – Eddie Murphy was even in 1999. I mean, he wasn't as popular in 99 as he had been in the 80s. Eddie Murphy was was gold in the 80s. In the 90s, yeah. he was committed to was the 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 Nutty Professor too, and he had gotten such like he was back in the public mind from doing the multiple characters, right? Which I think is ironic that they make sure that they use him as two characters Correct. even in this. Yeah, for sure. Now I I meant to ask this yesterday. But did you know what the original title of Bowfinger was going to be? It was a it was a little bit longer title before they just shortened it to Bowfinger. I actually did, but I currently can't remember what it is. So instead of me looking it up, you can you can just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice and easy for you. Uh, it was originally supposed to be entitled Bowfinger's Big Thing. Right now, here's something I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if anybody else does the same thing. If it had been called Bowfinger's Big Thing. I would probably never do what I'm about to admit that I do now every time we talk about the title of this movie. I so, I start singing the James Bond Goldfinger theme and I replace it with Bowfinger. Because it sounds like we're Bow making a James finger. Bond spoof. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. He's the man going to make a movie on a shoestring budget. You should have you you told Jim this beforehand. You should have used that as the, uh, you know, as the theme song for... for 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 the show i the preparing for this when you would text me about it every i i'm i'm dude if somebody was following me with a camera they would catch me in the middle of an empty room all of a sudden going bow finger <laughs> like i just i was at the radio you texted like we're gonna do this i'm like yeah we're gonna do bow finger and i'm like i'm texting <laughs> you back and i'm singing it hey why not it works <laughs> It worked. It just goes to show that that movie, then the song for Goldfinger, is so stuck in my head. I'm like, what? I actually couldn't find this. I don't know why he called it that because in my mind, it does nothing but draw in James Bond. When I hear Bowfinger, I keep thinking it's like a Mike Myers version of a you know, instead of Goldmember, Goldfinger, Gold, maybe you know, or Bowfinger. Maybe that's the reason that they decided to use this. You know, you never know why Steve Martin chose. The name Bobby Bowfinger. I mean, it's it it is you know alliteration. Mm -hmm. He does have the the superhero quality to him. But is there something? Is there something in Hollywood? Is the Bowfinger? Is that a reference to something? Or I, I, it may exist, and I just didn't spend enough time looking for it. It just feels weird. Like they chose not to call it Bowfinger's big thing because then I wouldn't be thinking James Bond. But by just calling it Bowfinger, I can't help but think Goldfinger every single time. Right. Absolutely no clue. The the name Bullfinger really stands for. No clue. <laughs> Let's fix this right now. I didn't even think to check the Urban Dictionary. And you did right now? I just checked the Urban Dictionary. Listen to this, dude. According to the Urban Dictionary, Bowfinger is a person who is a disgrace to all humanity. Oh, wow. A person who lacks intelligence and or success with the ladies. Also, a noob or a narb, a bowfinger. <laughs> so maybe he was onto something. Do you think that term came out before or after this movie? Oh, I don't know. I don't know when the term came into existence. Yeah, I don't know. 
Interesting. You know, because it, it could huh. be it could be either way. <laughs> well, I, I like it. I like saying it's a it's a person who lacks intelligence and or success. In this case, not necessarily with the ladies, but in for Bobby Bowfinger, lacks any success with movies. Correct. Okay, that that's fair. Right. That works. So, Alan, you have now we th- that instead of James Bond and no, Mister Bond, I expect you to die. You know, I won't I won't be doing that in my head. <laughs> well, you might. You never know. <laughs> no, I probably will. I can't get it out. That's right. <laughs> no, Mister Bowfinger, now you will die. <laughs> Hey, why not? No, Mr. Bowfinger, I am not going to be in your film. <laughs> and now you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, and now you're going to die. <laughs> All right. All right. So you can find Bowfinger Minute Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or on the main site, bowfingerminute.com. If you have time, you can uh, go like, subscribe, or put a review on the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcatcher that actually lets you put reviews on it. The social media you can find on Facebook. The Facebook group is Welcome to Mindhead, the Bowfinger Minute Listeners Center. And on Twitter, it's Bowfinger Minute. So, Alan, you want to tell people how they can find Alan Sanders? Yeah, if you want to find me on social media, and I do a lot of different kind of shows, so just be aware of that. But it's Alan J. Sanders on Twitter, but it's easier to just look for The Alan Sanders Show. If you want to look at the movies that me and my buddy Walt did a minute at a time, we did have a podcast for the first two seasons dedicated just to Gene Wilder movies. We did uh, Young Frankenstein season one, and we did Blazing Saddles for season two. You can find that by going to thewilderride.com or just searching for The Wilder Ride wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, and finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website, Movie Rob Minute. Dot com. So, please uh, join us next time on the Bowfinger Minute. But in the meantime, keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together, children. I hope that we'll see you again. Cause there's always. One more show Cause there's always One more show